Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, as always, we got Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's TC week. And I know for a lot of y'all, like, it, it's not really a big deal. OUTC is not a big rivalry, you know, but, you know, I will say for our friend group, it kind of is, mainly because our pal Bowden Blake is an alumni there. And uh, every year, annual tradition, we have to bring him on the pod, talk about OUTCU. Uh, so, the captain, Bowden Blake, how are you doing? Um, and uh, welcome onto the sh- uh, welcome onto the pod. Thank you so much uh, for the longtime listeners out there. Last year, when we did this fun little special, it was very depressing for me at that time. Gary Patterson was basically a lame duck. The TCU defense was allowing everything and everyone to pass through them. And it was just, it was sad times in Fort Worth. But now this year, there's a little bit more excitement. We haven't really played anybody, but, you know, like you can convince yourself that we're actually good. So I'm really excited to talk some TCU OU this year. I think this is actually going to be a competitive game. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so excited to talk some. I just want one more. I want one more. I want to replicate 2015, uh, 2014. I just one one more win versus OU and make my life. Blake, I was this close to downloading the video of you rushing the field, but I decided not to do it. Didn't want to accidentally show you trespassing uh, onto a space on the internet, but yeah, you know, that's how it goes. Jameson, how's it going? You know, as an OU fan right now, after losing David Hicks, we're farther in the dumps. Um, we're not going to talk about that this pod. Um, this is Boat and Blake's time to shine. Um, he's feeling better than ever, obviously with the frogs being undefeated and the Sooners being down in the dumps. So this is going to be a really interesting podcast. Ty, early thoughts on OUTCO. Yeah, I'd say Blake said something really just now that stood out to me. It's that TCU hasn't played anyone yet. Uh, so I guess OU and TCU have that in common. <laughs> well, okay. I actually think Kansas State obviously will be a little bit. I think they'll be good. I think they'll be better than people think. And well, obviously... Yeah. Obviously, they were going to work this into a, a Chris Kleiman as the best coach in the Big Twelve. I'm today. just saying, well, at least again, he's best coach in the Big Twelve against OU by far, like okay. by far. I, I think. But I think. If anything, Bobby, they're not better than we thought. You and the national media rank them so high that they're just kind of beating, like they're kind of meeting expectations. Like that loss to Tulane kind of bumps them down, but maybe now they're they can actually reach your expectations that you thought they were going to. I, I think my my peanut brain just completely forgets that uh, Kansas State exists outside of uh, their game against OU. So every time they come back, I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys always look good uh, against OU because they do. And then they're going to turn around and lose to Texas Tech. But that's not the weekend spread yet. We'll get to that later. Um, so we're going to kind of just go around the horn, ask three main questions we have about this game. Uh, to Blake to kind of give us the TCU side of uh, all of this, and uh, Ty, will you kick kick this one off? Uh, what do you got for uh, what What do you got for the captain? Okay, yeah. So to start us off, I have I guess I've been told something a little bit more specific than everyone else, so that's why I'm starting. But I'm going to go with not uh, Jameson. Just forgot to text me, um, brother. I sent the text right after we decided to in our big group. So yeah, but uh, Jameson was the first reading. one on it. Jameson didn't ask. Okay, I was looking for the individual. I was sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get out of here. Ty, just ask the question. We're going to do the structured podcast. So Yeah, no, you totally did. Whoops. Sorry. Anyways. (laughs) The structured becomes unstructured. 
Blake, in your opinion, if you are TCU and you're looking at this this OU team, you are Gary Patterson, TCU's head coach, and you're looking at this OU team, and uh, I guess he's not. He's about to be Texas's uh, head coach here in a bit, I guess. But uh, what is OU's critical vulnerability that TCU uh, is going to game plan and really try to exploit? If you had to pick one thing, you know, one thing to put pressure on, one thing to to really game plan against or, or – you know, try to run towards, throw towards, or, or whatever. What is uh, what is our one, really, I, I guess, Achilles heel? Yeah, we kind of saw it last week with K-State, and it's just to run the ball down OU's throat. And uh, K-State, not only, like, they have Deuce Vaughn, a really good running back, but Taylor Martinez, like, he's not the best passer in the world, but, like, my God, can that man run? And so we kind of need to do a version of that game plan. Like, I don't think we... Max Duggan is not an elite... Like, he's a good, really good runner, but he's not an elite mobile quarterback like Adrian Martinez when it comes to the run game. And we don't have, like, as good of running backs as Deuce Vaughn. But Keontre Miller and uh, DeMarcado, our two running backs, have kind of been, like, a, uh, a nice lightning and thunder combination this year. Uh, Miller being kind of the more or pound it he's been getting about five six seven yards of carry with like the line actually getting a good push there and then they throw in Mercado on the back end he's the one that kind of can still get you up the middle but he's taking it for 15 20 yards but we're not gonna see probably him take as much carries as Miller but if I'm TCU this week I look at that K-State game and it's just like look K-State had 45 runs on OU kind of replicate that we're gonna be better at passing it but really establish the run out of the gate because one it slows the game down gets the ball out of dylan gabriel's hands and ou's offense which i still think not as potent as years past but still pretty deadly keep them off the field keep our defense rested and then just hope our defense doesn't break so i'm just this isn't my this isn't my question blake but you made me think of this uh last time we were in fort worth the offensive line got absolutely demolished for tcu and i feel like this game plan that you're talking about doesn't really require that good of a running back and more so the big guys up front with like losing easy and everything. Do y'all have a decent offensive line this year? I would say not really. Like it's a little bit more improved than last year, but that doesn't mean much because last year was pretty horrible as well. Um, But we have gotten good push with running. I will say that they've been really bad in the past block. And we've seen like even last week, SMU being uh, eh, like they're kind of similar to TCU, just like a very meh defense, but they were getting to Max Duggan all day long. He took like five or six sacks, uh, really didn't have as much time in the pocket as you would like. So I am a little bit worried about that just because anytime we drop out to pass it has to be something shorter intermediate intermediate just because we have no pass block right now so i'll also say this you know um are there are there any weaknesses that you think tcu has that you're looking at ou and what they've been able to do and do well that you're like well you know this is an area we could certainly struggle granted you've only played colorado uh, Tarleton State and SMU. So um, not exactly great competition, but um, in the earlier games, have you seen any weaknesses for the Frogs? Yeah, SMU in the second half kind of figured it out that our defense is basically playing. We don't have elite talent on that side this year. So we're basically playing Ben Don't Break. We're going to not be hyper-aggressive. We're not going to be blitzing a lot of guys. We're going to keep our corners and safeties off off receivers and just make quarterbacks beat you. And last week, 
SMU that kind of startled them at first. Like, we would get good. They would try to run it first, second down, get nowhere. And then we'd put them in third and long situations. And they were converting a lot of those the second half. But I think OU, if they're smart, they we're not going to let you throw it over the top against us. Like we last year was abysmal with that was just like, we were being hyper aggressive with no talent. So we're just getting beat by the explosive plays. That's not how Joe Gillespie is going to play this game. He's going to try to keep OU just very much in front of him and make Dylan Gabriel make 10, 15 yard passes, which SMU almost came back in the game. Just doing that. They figured out like, Oh, Rishi Rice is going to get like three, four, five yards of room. He can get a first down every single time if we just target him. So that's the one that's when looking at our defense, I'm just a little bit worried about that because OU's offense is going to have to be patient. But if they are like, it basically just turns into a shootout. And I think OU probably has the better offensive talent. So essentially just eliminate the big play. Yeah. And like that's and honestly, it's really smart for us just because the big play has killed us against OU in the past. And so and especially since y'all have like significantly more elite talent, I would say, than most of the uh, Big 12 schools. I know the receiver room isn't as good as years past, but I saw like last week during K like versus K-State, like the big plays were keeping y'all in that game. And even though K-State kind of like came out, punched y'all in the mouth. Like, that big play still kept y'all lingering there, and we have to eliminate that in order to win the game. Jameson. Yeah, I, I, I'm i thinking I'm thinking with this. Uh, I felt like TC, another TCU past question here. Um, y'all secondary has been really good. Obviously, you have a pretty good alumni in the past couple of years. Um, and I feel like Tomlinson might be your biggest name that most people will know on the defensive backs, but I thought he pretty he struggled a lot in that SMU game. Do you think your secondary is your weakest point or of your defense in terms of linebackers and defensive line, or what, what's your um, kind of opinion on the secondary? I would say so. Uh, like probably it's that and pass rush. I feel like we haven't gotten good pressure on the quarterback uh, really at all this year, but it, it probably does come down to our secondary just because if you spread it out five wide against us, we don't have the talent to like, cover most receivers and Thomason looked really bad versus SMU just because they're basically putting on on an island versus Racy Rice who's a really good receiver big physical and he was he was making dumb fouls in the sense like he was allowing a lot of holding pass interference and stuff but kind of what I said like he was saving the big play that if it like Rishi Rice was trying to get on the outside could easily break one like he's gonna commit that penalty just to give us another chance at life and so he's very smart in that sense uh y'all's number one receiver this year is it uh it's I'm probably Mims. Absolutely Marvin Mims. Mims. There's no probably with it. It's pro it's Mims. And so uh he almost like, said it, probably again. <laughs> the good thing about the good thing about Mims is uh it's gonna be more speedy, which I think goes more into Tomlinson's game. Like he's not a physically imposing guy at receiver that we see with like a Rishi Rice or some of like those Iowa State receivers in the past and stuff like that. So I think he's gonna have a better game, but even if you have that, like, I think the rest of our corners are really not that good. Safeties are fine, but the corners, not that good. Ty? Yeah, so important to note, TCU will be bringing out uh, the best OU quarterback that we will see playing uh, if he plays in Chandler Morris. Uh, so 
with that being said, I, how just to dive a little bit deeper into it, how concerned are you guys, or I guess you specifically, with uh, with Dylan Gabriel? I know in the past you've been sort of critical of him, and and inexplicably you've held on to the take that quarterbacks who don't throw interceptions are bad. Uh, so yep. I, is is that is we, the fact that Dylan Gabriel does not throw interceptions is that going to hurt OU in this matchup against TCU? Honestly, I think if hey maybe if he threw an interception in that K State game, I think I think OU wins. Those big plays would have been there. He wasn't he wasn't taking the haymakers. But in all seriousness, it Dylan Gabriel it does kind of worry me just because I think back like. I think he's a very poor man's Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield alone just against TCU is just like a scary thing that anytime I felt like we got pressure against Baker Mayfield in any of our matchups against him, he would just scramble out and go for 10, 15 yards. And it's just like, it's the most demoralizing thing when the quarterback's just kind of running all over you all game long and you can't stop him. So I'm a little bit more worried about Dylan Gabriel, his legs. I his throwing. It looked good. It looked good. I will say it looks good. Uh, but he is like very similar. I would say like Max Duggan, where he'll have like one of those runs during the game. And you're just like, God, like he'll just break it for like 40 or 50 mm. yards. And it's just like yeah. super demoralizing. It's just like, I wouldn't say he's like an elite running quarterback, but they'll just have those big gains that just takes the breath, like takes the wind out of your sails. So I just don't, I, I don't think he's that big of a running quarterback. Do y'all, do y'all think so? I, I think he had that no, one big not. QB draw, but he's not been doing that well. Blake, if that's what you're worried about, about scrambling out of the pocket with pressure, he's been horrible at that this season. That has he's been, been as far as weakest, good. biggest weakness yeah, he holds no. on to the ball into the pocket too long and just like one second too long where he can't escape the pocket and can't throw the ball away taking too many sacks um so with he, that being like a concern for you that makes me feel you know good. a little bit nervous yeah he's, because uh, it's he's been, been kind of like fluky i would say no it's i think it's the level of opponents that we've been facing if you go and look at his stats he's not if you look at the, at the stats alone, it's very misleading because, like, last game, I think what he had, like, 50 yards or something. But he had, like, one 60-yarder, and then the rest were negative. Like, yeah. it's it's kind of like if you were to take a whatever year Tom Brady had his highest rushing yards as a quarterback and then just look at the stat line and go, like, oh, this guy can kind of run sometimes. Like, hey, Dylan Gabriel's run threat is pretty similar to – to Tom Brady's, I would say, and I'm not even no, trying to do a no, but he's, like he's not, okay. Maybe not. He's, he's not. He's, he's not fast, good. and he's he's much faster than Brady. But I just don't think like he has well, that Brady's kind like of knack to get old. out of the pocket. When was a time this season with Dylan Gabriel where he evaded the pass rush, got out of the pocket, and made a good play on the run passing the ball? I can I can't even think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a couple, but it's just not the strongest part of his game. Hey everybody, it's Bobby Howard, and before we start the show, I just kind of want to talk to y'all for a second. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of college football preview podcasts, and you know, it's it's really been great. It's got me hyped for the season, and one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. 
It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. You know, I really like the versatility of Raycons. If you're really wanting to lock in, really just immerse yourself in what you're doing, that is where the noise isolation feature comes in. Just block everything out. It's great. But you know what? Sometimes you can't just, you know, shell yourself off. So that's where you go to awareness mode, where you can have some audio come in. You can do errands. You can act like a normal human being and uh, still listen to what you want. So I feel like that's actually pretty great. The Raycons really are great, though, whenever I'm not editing the podcast. Just kick back, listen to some red dirt. Feels like you're right in the middle of Kane's ballroom. It's great. I love it. So look, if you want to be like me, jump on the Raycon train. Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. One more time, that is buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Use promo code TPPN15. That's TPPN15. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Um, kind of transitioning this away from, you know, talking about Oklahoma all the time because we want to learn a little bit more about TCU. A quarterback that can do that really well and that kind of play style in a quarterback has really hurt OU a lot in the past and hurt us last week is a guy like Max Duggan. Um, are you believing in the Max Duggan hype this year and his efficiency numbers? And also, is Quentin Johnston, his receiver, is this like a legitimate first-round draft pick kind of guy like some draft guys are saying? Yeah, so I'll first go into Max Duggan. Uh, going into the season, I was not a Max Duggan guy. I've seen kind of three years now of Max Duggan at least having a start, and Although he can make some of those game-breaking plays, he doesn't have like a consistent enough deep ball. He's accurate enough, but it just felt like something was lacking. It's like, kind of like where his, when you're making a creative player in a sports video game and you get the initial allotment of points, it was like, they kind of, they gave him a good run, but I just felt like his accuracy, his, his arm, everything else was just like a little bit too less. It's like not less enough that you're going to bench him because he's still a good college quarterback, but just didn't really wow you with uh, like a single one of his features. And so I saw Chandler Morris play uh, versus Baylor last year, and I like fell in love with this guy. I'm like, holy crap, Chandler Morris. Like he's kind of just like, he's not going to be a pro style quarterback, but he's like one of those fun college quarterbacks. He's really mobile. He's thrown on the run. He's just kind of a gamer. And I'm like, oh my god, like, this is the guy we need, like, a Sonny Dykes offense is gonna get more of a guy like a Shane Buchel, a Tanner Mordecai, uh, it, maybe not as much Tanner Mordecai, but he <laughs> wants a bigger arm, like, he wants a pocket passer, bigger arm, spreading out five, and just, like, getting receivers just good routes, get them open, 
And so we didn't really have like a big arm pocket passer type like that. So I'm like, if we're not going to have that, going to go Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris looked awful versus Colorado. And uh, they were eventually able to kind of separate, but then they put in Max Duggan. And Max Duggan just had a spark to him. He didn't really throw that much that game, but he just, like, would tuck and run 20, 30 yards. Like, he just looked electric. And then we played Tarleton, and then we played last week versus SMU, and his passing just looks so much more improved that it's like, oh my gosh, like, there's some accuracy here. Like, his deep ball is getting a lot better. Like, he's kind of putting it in the breadbasket uh, for Quentin Johnson. Uh, we'll get to him in a second, but he's starting to look better. And so that's what gives me kind of hope in this is like, instead of having two cooks in the kitchen and not knowing a quarterback around this time of year, I feel like Max Duggan's the guy this year. And I feel like he's uh, won it and earned it uh, just because of how efficient he's been. I don't think those numbers, like the advanced analytics on him right now are insane. Like they're not going to st like stand up just because of the defenses that we played. But I think he is our starting quarterback and I think he's earned that spot. Uh, and I want to see him succeed just because he has been a lifelong frog. He hasn't hit the transfer portal, and that would be an awesome story. Um, but to your other point, Quentin Johnson, he's been my most disappointing and most frustrating part about TCU, uh, about our TCU offense this year. Like, I think Sonny Dykes has done a really great job uh, getting – we used to run so many, I felt like. It was just like – screen passes, short dump off underneath. I hated that. I hate having to rely on yards after the catch in order to get big plays and big gains. Like, I like those intermediate routes, 10, 15 yards across the field. Like, get some chunks that way. Uh, and Meacham and Cumbie just weren't ever doing that. So, coming to Quentin Johnston, he's only been playing, like, he's been playing on the outside like we think. He does nothing across the middle, which is really frustrating that, like, he has such a unique combination of size and height and strength and just, like, pure athletic ability that the only time we see him really featured in the offense is, like, 30, 40-yard fades down the field, and he's been so bad about staying in bounds. He'll make these miraculous catches, but he's, like two feet out of bounds like he doesn't know where the sideline is so it's really frustrating that it feels like the best piece and probably the best athletic player on our roster has not been involved this year and I'm worried about that like in a game like OU when you're seven point dog in your own house you need him to be involved and so I want to see a little bit more just like across the middle I guess you could continue the fade route because honestly Max Duggan's been throwing a great ball to him but First round, no. Like, I see why people like him. He, I like the physical gifts, but it's just, like, when you think of those first-round receivers, like, even, like, a guy who gets made fun of all the time, like Jalen Rager, like, Jalen Rager at TCU just dominated. Like, he took over games and made sure that, like, each game he put a stamp on it. I don't get that with Quentin Johnson, and I think he's a really great athlete, but he just doesn't have that, like, I'm running, I'm performing so well, feed me at least, like, 10 to 12 15 times a game yeah i get that i get that and i i, I do want to kind of ask you know offensively you know having a guy like um you know sunny come or something comfy what am i saying yeah. <laughs> a lot of sunnies we've had a lot of sunnies so around sunnies. our program like <laughs> around what, our program what is with yeah tcu too many sunnies you know a, a guy like sunny dykes and then uh obviously you know um the new offensive coordinator uh garrett riley uh familiar last name uh you know it, it's been a bit of a shift from the gary patterson era definitely less stale i imagine we know you are a fire patterson guy uh from our streams last year but uh what has this new coaching staff brought to the team 
how's the overall vibe, uh, both offensively and, you know, losing a guy like Patterson, how has that affected the defense as well? Just coaching wise, what are we, what, what's going on? Yeah. Like, uh, so I was very much on the board to get rid of Patterson at the end and what we will miss, like Gary Patterson will always and forever be one of like the best defensive minds in college football period. Like the fact that he was able to build a program and specifically base it around this defense for a team that like TCU was nothing, like was absolutely nothing and took them out of the doldrums. And now we're a power five team. Like that's incredible. Uh, so we're not going to see that high upside defense, like a Gary Patterson defense that has his his mark on it, his players, his athletes. Like those were legendary defenses, like top five in the nation consistently over many many years. And so we're not going to see that. But Joe Gillespie, he's the Tulsa. He was the former Tulsa defensive coordinator. Honestly, was a rising star and somebody that I was surprised we even got, just because they had some really good Tulsa defenses uh, while he was there. And basically, what he's done is he's come in, simplified everything. Uh, we don't have the athletes right now. We kind of saw it last year. It, it didn't get much better. We lost our, like two or three of our best defenders to the portal. It only got worse. But Joe Gillespie has simplified things. He's made sure to keep keep at least people in front of you, which is what we need right now. Once he gets his guys in, I think it's going to be a really good defensive team. I hope we can keep him as a coordinator, honestly, because I think he's going to get some looks for head coaching jobs. But on the offensive side of the ball, Sonny Dykes, uh, Garrett Riley. It's going to be probably a little... Garrett Riley's good, but like Sonny Dykes obviously has a big hand in the offense, and that's why we hired him. And honestly, he brings a lot of optimism. Like, the offense looks a lot... It just, like, it feels fresh. It doesn't feel like we're trying to get our four four-star guys like on the wide receiver or the running back like get them involved to make plays themselves it feels like the schemes actually work and that guys that are three stars can actually like get big gains and stuff like that we're not just relying on pure athleticism uh so it's been great on an offensive side of it and then just like program culture in general just because i bet not a lot of people are familiar with tcu program culture but i feel like uh Sonny Dykes, the good thing about him was when we hired him, we knew he was going to lean into NIL. You knew he was going to lean into the transfer portal a lot more than Gary. Like, Gary's mantra was like 40, not 4. Like, talking about how everybody on the team needs to be treated the same. No, no, no. That's how you lose guys like Zach Evans is if you're not treating every— Like, some guys need to play more and, like, because they are better— and I think Sonny Dykes just kind of gets it from that perspective. He understands what players want. Like, we got our whole media team now that does all these, like, player photos, similar to what you see at OU, you know, with recruits and stuff like that. Just, like, the basics of better branding as a whole. So, it's optimism right now. It could, like, go south. But honestly, like, I came into this year, like, 6-6 six and six, uh, I thought was going to be us. And after these first few games, I feel like we can shoot just, like, slightly higher. From that which is like honestly a great feeling well cool yeah i think that uh that's a pretty good appraisal of the situation overall and uh let's hope you don't get one one step closer for sure ty uh do you have uh, any final questions for uh blake yeah as as we wrap up one thing that came to mind is ou is currently averaging 59 penalty yards a game which is just one more than tcu at 58 uh, because 58 is one less than 59. That's how that works. Thank you. Uh, 
So I lost my train of thought. A lot of people would refer to a lot of OU's penalties as uh, dumb penalties. I think it's a phrase that's kind of goofy because every penalty is is a dumb penalty, barring the, you know, sometimes you can just have an accident, a bang-bang play. Maybe it turns into a, a targeting or something like that. But OU's had a lot of dumb penalties or, or sloppy penalties. When you look at TCU, because obviously I assume you've been following TCU and, and raging at these 58 penalty yards a game, do you see a lot of dumb penalties? Do you see a lot of discipline issues? Or do you see a lot more of just the guys are out there playing hard and, and things are happening? Yeah, I don't think they're as dumb. Like, in the moment, they felt dumb last week. But kind of, like, looking back, it's like we allowed a lot of, like, holding and pass interference on defense. That was just because, like, we didn't want guys to burn us. So I'm like, okay, this receiver is just so much, like, Rishi Rice and some of those SMU receivers are just probably so much better than our corners, like give us another chance, which honestly helped us, like, helped us win that game. It just, like, keeping your defense on the field really does help. And an underrated part about that game, we got a lot of false starts, or not false starts, we got a lot of delay of games. SMU's play clocks didn't work the entire game at the stadium. It was <laughs> such a bum experience at that game. Not only is, like, the stadium built where there's absolutely no shade on any of the sides, or the concession stands, I had to wait 35 minutes to get a bottle of water, and the fact that it took over 30 minutes <laughs> to get in the game. Their bum stadium can't even get the play clocks going, and so it's like, I don't know, like, SMU looked polished, like, they were down, like, they would operate without a clock. I don't want to accuse them of some sabotage but they seem pretty prepared when the clocks went off and we were kind of having to do it on our own and max duggan just didn't do well with that like it almost cost us the game at the end where like uh kendra miller got a four like six yard game to kind of ice it and then it put it like if and we were going to get those four yards and then backed it up by a delay a game I feel better. Like, we're going to have penalties this week just because OE receivers are fast and they're going to beat our corners and we're going to make some dumb PIs and stuff like that. But I don't think it's like a PI where he's in your face and you're trying to go for the ball and it's just like a dumb hold. It's going to be like, oh my God, he's going to beat us. Like, just rip him, like, rip him down and take the 15 yards because the <laughs> game is going to be a lot worse. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, Blake, that's about all we have. Uh, but before you go, uh, any Sooners traveling to the game in Fort Worth? Uh, do you have any recommendations food-wise, drink-wise? What should they hit up? Yeah, so if you want to go something close to the stadium, I know it's an early game, uh, definitely hit up Buffalo Bros or Dutchess. They're right on uh, kind of, I think it's Stadium or University, one of those. It's on one yeah. of, it's it's near the bookstore. You'll see them. Dutchess has basically bought that whole block. Uh, Dutchess, the good thing is they do to-go beers in the morning. Uh, they've really expanded the bar and stuff like that. So if you just want, if you don't have a tailgate you're going to and just want to grab a quick, they do come in purple solo cups, so you will have to do that. But uh, if you want to take a roadie, I would go there. If you want something with a little bit more time, barbecue is the way to go. Obviously, uh, I have not been yet, and probably too hard to get to on game day, but the number one place in Texas right now is at Goldie's. Goldie's and... opens at 11, and they'd be sold yeah. out by the time the game started. So, not Goldie's, but if you want some still really good barbecue uh, that's a little bit more reasonably timed, Heim is a great option. I know they've expanded Love a Heim. lot. Uh, they used to be only on Magnolia Street. Now they've gone more to Clear Fork. If you kind of want to go shopping afterwards and have a little bit more bougier experience, go over there. It's great barbecue barbecue and you can get it all day so i would say those are some solid ones of just like very traditional fort worth places 
There you go. Absolutely love it. Love to hear it. Uh, Fort Worth, definitely one of my favorite spots. And if this is the last time, which it very well might be, I'm, I'm certainly going to miss it and I'm going to soak it all up. I know, I know, uh, I'm, I'm definitely pumped. So, uh, anyways, Jameson, I don't think you have any more questions. You mentioned it in the private chat. So I'm going to shut this one down. Thank you to all of y'all for listening. Thank you, Vote and Blake, for uh, hopping on, giving us the inside on the Horn Frogs. And then Ty and Jameson, of course, always thanks for being on the show. That has been the Schooner Pod. That's all we got for today. Make sure to keep an eye out for uh, the weekend spread where we make our picks for this game and then many others on the slate. If you're listening live, we're about to go literally turn around and uh, go live on the weekend spread. So stick with us uh, on YouTube if you're watching live. All right. That's all we got. Thank you all so much for listening and Boomer Sooner.